Chapter Nineteen of Betty Wales Freshman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Betty Wales Freshman by Margaret Ward. Chapter Nineteen A Last Chance. Helen's choice of closed windows in preference to invading companies of moths and June bugs had made the room so insufferably warm that between heat and excitement Betty could not get to sleep. Instead, she tossed restlessly about on her narrow couch, listening to the banging of the trolleys at the next corner and wishing she were still sitting on the breezy front seat as the car dashed down the long hill toward the station. At length she slipped softly out of bed and opened the door. Perhaps the breeze would come in better then. As she stood for a moment testing the result of her experiment, she noticed with surprise that Eleanor's door was likewise open. This simple fact astonished her, because she remembered that on the hottest nights last fall Eleanor had persisted in shutting and locking her door. She had acquired the habit from living so much in hotels, she said. She could never go to sleep at all so long as her door was unfastened. "'Perhaps it's all right,' thought Betty. "'But it looks queer. I believe I'll just see if she's in bed.' So she crept softly across the hall and looked into Eleanor's room. It was empty, and the couch was in its daytime dress covered with an oriental spread and piled high with pillows i suppose she stopped on the campus and got belated was betty's first idea but no she couldn't stay down there all night and it's long after ten it must be half-past eleven i'll-i'd better consult katherine she chose katherine instead of rachel because she had heard eleanor speak about going to paradise and so could best help to decide whether it was reasonable to suppose that she was still there Rachel was steadier and more dependable, but Catherine was resourceful and quick-witted. Besides, she was not a bit afraid of the dark. She was sound asleep, but Betty managed to wake her and get her into the hall without disturbing anyone else. "'Goodness!' exclaimed Catherine when she heard the news. "'You don't think?' "'I think she's lost in paradise. It must have been pitch dark down there under the trees even before she got started. And you know she hasn't any sense of direction.' Don't you remember her laughing about getting turned around every time she went to New York? Yes, but it doesn't seem possible to get lost on that little pond. It's bigger than it looks, said Betty, and there is the mist, too, to confuse her. I hadn't thought of that. Does she know how to manage a boat? Yes, capitally, said Betty, in so frightened a voice that Catherine dropped the subject. She's lost upstream somewhere and afraid to move for fear of hitting a rock she said easily, or perhaps she's right out in the pond by the boathouse and doesn't dare to cross because she might go too far down toward the dam. We can find her all right, I guess. Then you'll come? said Betty eagerly. Why, of course. You weren't thinking of going alone, were you? I thought maybe you'd think it was silly for anyone to go. I suppose she might be at one of the campus houses. She might, but I doubt it, said Catherine. She was painfully intent on solitude when she left here. Now don't fuss too long about dressing. Without a word, Betty sped off to her room. She was just pulling a raincoat over a very meager toilet when Catherine put her head in at the door. Bring matches, she said in a sepulchral whisper. Betty emptied the contents of her matchbox into the ulster pocket, threw a cape over her arm for Eleanor, and followed Catherine cat-footed down the stairs. In the lower hall they stopped for brief consultation. "'Ought we to tell Mrs. Chapin?' asked Betty doubtfully. "'Eleanor will hate us forever if we do,' said Catherine. "'And I don't see any especial advantage in it. 
if we don't find her mrs chapin can't we might tell rachel though in case we were missed or we might leave a note where she would find it suggested betty then if we weren't missed no one need know all right you can go more quietly i'll wait here Catherine sank down on the lowest stair while betty flew back to scribble a note which she laid on rachel's pillow then the relief expedition started it was very strange being out so late before ten o'clock a girl may go anywhere in harding but after ten the streets are deserted and dreadful betty shivered and clung close to Catherine, who marched boldly along declaring that it was much nicer outdoors than in and that midnight was certainly the top of the evening for a walk and if we find her up the river we can all camp out for the night she suggested jovially but if we don't find her Catherine, who had noticed betty's growing nervousness refused to entertain the possibility we shall but what if we don't persisted betty then i suppose we shall have to tell somebody who who could why hunt for her more thoroughly stammered Catherine. or possibly we'd better wait till morning and make sure that she didn't stay all night with miss day but if we don't find her there will be plenty of time to discuss that at the campus gateway the girls hesitated suppose we should meet the night watchman said betty anxiously would he arrest us Catherine laughed at her fears i was only wondering if we hadn't better take the path through the orchard if we go down by the dwelling-houses we might meet him of course and it would be awkward getting rid of him if he has an ordinary amount of curiosity but that path is spooky dark objected betty not so dark as the street behind the campus said Catherine decidedly and that's the only alternative come on then they had almost reached the back limit of the campus Catherine halted suddenly betty clutched her in terror do you see anyone she whispered Catherine put an arm around her frightened little comrade not a person she said reassuringly not even the ghost of my grandmother i was just wondering betty if you'd care to go ahead down to the landing and call while i waited up by the road eleanor is such a proud thing she'll hate dreadfully to be caught in this fix and i know she'd rather have you come to find her than me or both of us but perhaps you'd rather not go ahead it is pretty dark down there betty lifted her face from Catherine's shoulder and looked at the black darkness that was the road and the river bank and below it to the pond that glistened here and there where the starlight fell on its cloak of mist of course said Catherine after a moment's silence we can keep together just as well as not as far as i am concerned i only thought that perhaps since this was your plan and you are so fond of eleanor oh well i just thought you might like to have the fun of rescuing her finished Catherine desperately do you mean for me to go ahead and call and if eleanor answers not to say anything to her about your having come yes then how would you get home oh walk along just behind you just out of sight wouldn't you be afraid hardly but i should be taking the credit for something i hadn't done and eleanor would be the happier thereby and none of the rest of the world would be affected either way betty looked at the pond again and then gave Catherine a soft little hug Catherine kittredge you're an old dear she said and if you really don't mind i'll go ahead but if she asks me how i dared to come alone or says anything about how i got here i shall tell her that you were with me all right but i fancy she won't be thinking about that the matches are so she can see her way to you it's awfully hard to follow a sound across the water but if you light one match after another 
she can get to you before the supply gives out if she's anywhere near don't light any till she answers if she doesn't answer i'll come down to you and we'll walk up on the river a little way and find her there yes said betty where shall you stay oh right under this tree i guess answered katherine carelessly good-bye good-bye when betty had fairly gone doubts began to assail katherine as they have a habit of assailing impulsive people after it is too late to pay heed to them it occurred to her that she was cooperating in what might easily turn out to be a desperate adventure and that it would have been the part of wisdom to enlist the services of more competent and better equipped searchers at once without risking delay on the slender chance of finding eleanor near the wharf eleanor would have hated the publicity but if she wants to come up here in the dark and frighten us all into hysteria she must take the consequences and i'd have let her too if it hadn't been for betty an owl hooted and katherine jumped as nervously as betty would have done poor betty she must be almost at the landing by this time at that very moment a little quavering voice rang out over the water eleanor eleanor watson eleanor oh eleanor where are you for a long moment there was silence then the owl hooted again that was too much katherine jumped up with a bound and started down the bank toward betty she did not stop to find the path and at the second step caught her foot and fell headlong apparently betty did not hear her she had not yet given up hope for she was calling again pausing each time to listen for the answer that did not come oh eleanor eleanor aren't you there she cried and stopped even the courage of despair gone at last katherine nursing a bruised knee on the hill above had opened her mouth to call encouragement when a low who is it floated across the water eleanor is that you it's i betty wales shrieked betty katherine nodded her head in silent token of i told you so and slid back among the bushes to recuperate and await developments for the end was not yet. Eleanor was evidently far down toward the dam, close to the opposite bank. It was hard for her to hear Betty, and still harder for Betty to hear her. Her voice sounded faint and far off, and she seemed to be paralyzed with fear and quite incapable of further effort. When Betty begged her to paddle right across and began lighting matches in reckless profusion to show her the way, Eleanor simply repeated, I can't, I can't, in dull, dispirited monotone shall i come for you shouted betty you can't returned eleanor again nonsense shrieked betty and then stood still on the wharf apparently weighing eleanor's last opinion go ahead called katherine in muffled tones from above betty did not answer thinks i'm another owl i suppose muttered katherine and limped down the bank to the wharf frightening the nervous overwrought betty almost out of her wits at first and then vastly relieving her by taking the entire direction of affairs into her own competent hands. "'You go right ahead. It's the only way, and it's perfectly easy in a heavy boat. That canoe might possibly go down with the current. But a big boat wouldn't. Rachel and I tried it last week, when the river was higher. Now cross straight over and feel along the bank until you get to her. Then beach the canoe and come back the same way. Give me some matches.' i'll manage that part of it and then retire unless you'd rather be the one to wait here no i'll go answered betty eagerly vanishing into the boathouse after a pair of oars she must be hanging on to something on shore went on katherine when betty reappeared and she's lost her nerve and doesn't dare to let go 
if you can't get her into your boat i'll come but somebody really ought to stay here i had no idea the fog was so thick hurry now and cross straight over you're sure you're not afraid quite sure betty was off splashing her oars nervously through the still water wrapped in the mist whispering over and over katherine's last words hurry and go straight hurry hurry go straight across when she reached the other shore she called again to eleanor and the sobbing cry of relief that answered her made all the strain and effort seem as nothing cautiously creeping along the bank where the river was comparatively quiet backing water now and then to test her strength with the current she finally reached eleanor who had happened quite by chance to run near the bank and now sat in the frail canoe hanging by both hands to a branch that swept low over the water exactly as katherine had guessed why didn't you beach the canoe and stay on shore asked betty who had tied her own boat just above and was now up to her knees in the water pulling eleanor in i tried to but i lost my paddle and so i was afraid to let go the tree again and the water looked so deep oh betty betty eleanor sank down on the bank sobbing as if her heart would break betty patted her arm in silence and in a few moments she stood up quieted you're going to take me back she asked of course said betty cheerfully leading the way to her boat please wait a minute commanded eleanor betty trembled she's going to say she won't go back with me she thought please let me do it eleanor she begged yes said eleanor quickly but first i want to say something i've been a hateful horrid thing betty i've believed unkind stories and done no end of mean things and i deserve all that i've had to-night except your coming after me i've been ashamed of myself for months only i wouldn't say so i know you can never want me for a friend again after all my meanness but betty say that you won't let it hurt you that you'll try to forget all about it betty put a wet arm around eleanor's neck and kissed her cheek softly you weren't to blame she said it was all a mistake in my horrid carelessness of course i want you for a friend i want it more than anything else and now don't say another word about it but just get into the boat and come home they hardly spoke during the return passage eleanor was worn out with all she had gone through and betty was busy rowing and watching for katherine's matches which made tiny glimmering dots of light in the gloom eleanor did not seem to notice them nor the shadowy figure that vanished around the boathouse just before she reached the wharf from her appointed station under the pine tree katherine heard the grinding of the boat on the gravel the rattle of oars thrown down on the wharf and then a low murmur of conversation that did not start up the hill toward her as she had expected in a sense sighed katherine they're actually stopping to talk it out down there in the wet i'm glad they've made it up and i do anything in reason for betty wales but i certainly am sleepy and she yawned so loud that a blue jay that was roosting in the tree above her fluttered up to a higher branch screaming angrily the note of the nestle laughed katherine and yawned again down on the wharf betty and eleanor were curled up close together in an indiscriminate happy tangle of raincoat golf cape and very drabbled muslin holding a conversation that neither would ever forget yet it was perfectly commonplace harding girls are not given to the expression of their deeper emotions though it must not therefore be inferred that they do not have any to express oh betty you can't imagine how dreadful it was out there eleanor was saying and i thought i should have to stay all night of course how did you know i hadn't come in betty explained i don't see why you bothered said eleanor i'm sure i shouldn't have for anyone as horrid as i've been oh betty will you truly forgive me don't say that 
I wanted to do something that would make you forgive me. Oh, I know you have, broke in Eleanor quickly. Miss Ferris told me. She did, interrupted Betty in her turn. Why, she promised not to. Yes, but I asked her. It seemed to me queer that she should have taken such an interest in me, and all of a sudden it flashed over me, as I sat talking to her, that you were at the bottom of it. So I said, Miss Ferris, Betty Wales asked you to say this to me, and she said yes, but she also asked me not to mention her having done so. I was ashamed enough then, for she'd made me see pretty plainly how badly I needed looking after, but I was bound I wouldn't give in. Oh, Betty, haven't I been silly! I didn't mean to hurt your feelings by what I said at that class meeting, Eleanor, said Betty shyly. You didn't hurt them. I was just cross at things in general, at myself, I suppose that means, and angry at you, because I'd made you despise me, which certainly wasn't your fault. Eleanor, what nonsense! I despise you? A rustling on the bank reminded Betty that Catherine was waiting. We must go home, she said. It's after midnight. So it is, agreed Eleanor, getting up stiffly. Oh, Betty, I am glad I'm not out there hanging on to that branch and shivering and wondering how soon I should have to let go and end it all. Oh, I shall never forget the feeling of that stifling mist. They walked home almost in silence. Catherine, missing the murmur of conversation, wondered if this last effort at reconciliation had failed after all. But near Mrs. Chapin's the talk began again. I'm only sorry there isn't more of spring term left to have a good time in. Why, Eleanor, there's only two weeks. But there's all next year, answered Eleanor. I thought you weren't coming back. I wasn't. But I am now. I've got to. I can't go off letting people think that I'm only a miserable failure. The Watson pride won't let me, Betty. Oh, people don't think anything of that kind, objected Betty consolingly. I know one person who does, said Eleanor with decision, and her name is Eleanor Watson. I decided while I was out there waiting for you that one's honest opinion of herself is about as important as any outsider's. Don't you think so? Perhaps, said Betty gaily, but the thing that interests me is that you're coming back next year. Why, it's just grand! Shall you go on the campus? End of chapter 19